for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagier. Today I'm joined by one of the more enthusiastic supporters of the radio station. You've probably seen him posting all over social media. You know he uh, lives and breathes and bleeds WJPZ from the class of 2014. Jordan Hayes, welcome to the podcast. John, thank you for having me. I think you tuned into my own show last Friday. Yeah, that was me. I was checking it out for a little bit. You've got your own online radio show, so we'll get to that in a little bit as well. But let's start out by telling me how you got to find JPZ and working at the radio station. Okay, so actually it goes back as far as 1999. Riding in the car, my two sisters and I had a friend who told us to listen to 89.1 FM. Mm-hmm. We had no idea what it was at the time. The first song that I I remember listening to uh, Summer Girls by LFO, does that take you back? <laughs> it does, because I was working at Z89 at that time. I was there from 98 to 02, so that's that's right in my time, absolutely. Yes, and so I remember the next thing I heard was the famous Holy Shirt ad, and <laughs> the, the rest was history. So, uh, But that was 1999. I was only finishing fifth grade at the time. During my high school years, I lived in Baldwinsville. They... We're very fortunate to be the only high school in the area that had their own radio station, WBXL. That's where I got my foundational knowledge, and I did what's called community service broadcasting. Sure. So I went to OCC, and I knew around the time that I wanted to transfer to SU. I learned that Z89 was at SU, and I never knew that before. Actually, mm-hmm. when I first listened to Z89 back in 99, I, for the life of me, thought, This was a professional station run by professional full-time DJs who did this thing for a living. I had absolutely no knowledge that this was a student-run radio station on the campus of Syracuse University, which was my dream school. And then it wasn't until 2009, so 10 years after I first discovered the station, I went to the general interest meeting. The first thing I wanted to do was news. I wanted to be on Orange State. I wanted to do something with that show. Were you at Syracuse University at this point or were you still at OCC? Yes. Transferred fall 2009, graduated from OCC with a associate in computer information systems. Mm-hmm. I had transferred to Syracuse at that point. I was technically a junior in the high school. And I knew that the first thing I wanted to do as soon as the general interest meeting was uh, announced, I'd go and I'd get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. By the time I joined the station, there was no traffic reports. And so that's what I wanted to do. And they let me do it. Yeah. And I feel that was an accomplishment for some reason, because I came into the station with three main goals in mind. Mm -hmm. One was to be on the exec staff. Two was to have my own show. And three was to do something unique and innovative that no other Zier had done before and brought something brand new to the station's programming. So every day, Monday through Friday, 5.30 5.30 p.m., do a one-minute traffic report in my job, and I'm done for the day. But I knew at that time I was thirsty for something more. Sure, yeah, yeah. I know it was hard, and I know that because I was the little fish in the big pond, there was something in the back of my mind that said, 
No, I had to go through all the hoops. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was thirsty because my time at WBXL, one month in, two weeks in, the advisor, the faculty advisor at WBXL said, oh, here you go. You've done the training. Here's your show. And you can do whatever you want with it. And so I learned very fast, very quickly. And it was a good life lesson to learn, too, because this also followed me through everything else that I've been doing. But to get in the next level, no, that's not how it works. I have to establish myself. I have to prove myself to the GM and the program director what I'm capable of doing. It's not just an idea, but can I execute on mm-hmm. it? I wanted to do my own news talk show called CNY State of Mind, and I talked to the news director, and I had a meeting with, uh, his name was Grant, by the way, Grant Lipschultz, shout out that class of 2011. I was going to discuss the local news that happened around Syracuse, kind of similar to what I did with WBXL, being a voice for the Syracuse community. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that he said was very important, it wasn't fitting for the programming, the format of Z89. Okay. Because my show was going to be more serious. That makes sense. And to me, I thought that was a barrier, but I didn't really understand the value of keeping with the brand of the format. I thought you're free to put any program on it that you like, even if it didn't fit with the format at all. But it was later during my years that I quickly learned how important that actually is. Okay. So what happened from there, Jordan? I just had to move on. Okay. I kept doing the traffic reports for as long as I could while trying to get something else going. I just had to pursue a new idea, mm-hmm. come up with an idea that would work with the format of the station. Okay. This was about three years later, 2012, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, 2012, we were getting ready to renovate the station. Right. And then I remember we went through a whole snag. The construction got delayed and yep. delayed and delayed. We've had other episodes of the podcast talking about that. Many have talked about the delays of the uh, of the building the new station until about Christmas of 2012. Yes, exactly. But in the meantime, I was getting ready to plot a new idea, something new that we hadn't done before, a mix show with the top 10 throwbacks from 1990 to 2003. Okay. The first thing the program director, now Rashawn Thomas, had me do yep. was find all the music find all the music that I wanted to use, look and see if it was in the system. And uh, I actually had a a whole Excel or Access database that's full of all of the throwback music from Z89 going all the way back from, I think, 1989 to 2003 uh, or four or something. Mm -hmm. And so once I had all the music, then it was time for me to do a pilot. So I recorded a pilot. I did the summer of 2013. Summer 2013, I was in there almost every day recording the pilot of what would eventually become my first mix show, the Top 10 Throwbacks Countdown. I love it. So they gave me some feedback. New program director, Joey Costco, class of 2014, Liverpool native, along with Corey, Corey Crockett. He listened to the pilot, gave me some feedback, which I was able to take, and I was able to learn from. And then by the fall, there it was. Uh, I got to go on the air, do my own show. And goal number two, goal number three, by that time, I was the web director for Z89. 
Sounds like you were using the iSchool stuff pretty well between an, uh, an Excel or Access database yes. for those songs and then also managing the web stuff for a Z89. So you had your hands in a lot of different things at that point. When was the uh, throwback show on, Jordan? When was that on the air? That was Saturday nights, 9 to 10 during the fall 2013 semester. And then we bumped it to 8 to 9 Saturday nights for the uh, spring 2014 semester. Okay, great. That show also gave me the opportunity to do a show with three members of the Pulse during the back. So Banquet 2014, it fit in with the show. And I asked Maureen Cooper, Jay Sweet, Jason Palladino, yep. and Harry Waring. Mm-hmm. So I got to do a show all about the Pulse days with uh, those three. And I had a blast because I got to learn something else that I didn't know about the station. They had no idea that there was the Pulse. That makes sense because we've got an upcoming episode with the podcast about that. We had Dan Austin and Jeff Wade talking about the Pulse, and then we've got Harry Waring and Dina Jacoby talking about flipping back to Z89. So if you had found the station in 1999, that would have been very soon after they switched back to Z89 from the Pulse. Yes, and I also heard, I was listening to your 9-11 episode, Mm -hmm. and the one thing that I took away from that was Harry and Dina made sure that after they graduated, the new class coming in, which I guess would have included you, yep, they wanted to make sure that you and the whoever was left at the station was left in good hands, that you had a direction. Mm-hmm. You had a direction, you had a plan for keeping Z89 going after that transition, maybe I know this is you asking the questions. Go ahead. What was that like for you then? We talked about that in many episodes of the podcast, including the one with my class of 2002 classmate, Matt Del Signor, who's coming into the Hall of Fame this year. Harry really said exactly what you said, Jordan. If we don't bring in these freshmen and put them in positions of power, there's going to be no radio station. Mm. And because when we went in there, we were welcomed like family and we were given things to do and we were given responsibility. We felt like we had ownership of a part of the radio station. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, to answer your question, that's the feeling that we had. And we ha- and we knew that we had this responsibility right. to not fail because there were generations before us that had kept it going. And now it was our turn to keep it going. That's interesting because I'll say this. Had you and the, uh, the new class not taken that responsibility seriously, there would have been no me. My sister's friend wouldn't have been able to tune to 89.1 FM and here, the beat of Syracuse, the all new Z89. Here's LFO Summer Girls. <laughs> and then I wouldn't have, 10 years later, had my own legacy that I contributed to the station. So I guess that all comes full circle. It's WJPZ at 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence. This is WJPZ at 50.
I want to come back to something you said a minute ago, Jordan, and that is when you talked about accomplishing those goals. You got on the air to do traffic, and then you came up with an idea for a show, and they said it didn't fit the format. You had to go back to the drawing board, come up with something else, and you found something that worked, and you got that throwback show on the air. Yes. I think that says a lot about you as far as your perseverance, and it seems like that's probably one of the lessons you learned at Z89. Exactly. It wasn't overnight, and it took time. So remember, I started in fall of 09, and I didn't get my throwback show until the fall of 2013. Mm -hmm. That was four whole years of trying something, throwing it against the wall, see if it sticks. Yep. The first one didn't, obviously. The second one did, and then that allowed me to do a, another show. We're doing this on the eighth anniversary of my last show which was essentially the Lost and Forgotten Hits. Oh, wow. That shifted to music that Z actually played, but unfortunately they didn't chart very well and they got taken off of regular rotation very quickly. Do you remember what one or two of those songs were? Uh, Bottoms Up. Do you know Bottoms Up by... Yeah, Trey Songs, Nicki Minaj, right? Yes. Yep. Another one was Fireflies. Owl City. Owl City. And we could play this all day long. Yes, you're, you're right. So any other lessons besides perseverance you felt you learned at Z89, Jordan? Oh, yes. Uh, don't burn bridges. Definitely don't burn bridges. Yeah. Don't burn bridges with anybody at the station because I didn't know that then, and I, but I know it now. Hmm. Are there folks from either when you were a student or other alumni that you've met, Jordan, that you think fondly of, that you've made friends with, that you think about at this point? Oh, yes. I have a whole list of names that I could name here, but I'll, we would be all day. So as I mentioned, Grant Lipschultz, uh, he was a friend. He was a mentor as news director, and I really looked up to him, and he looked up to me. Nikki Schwartz, does that name ring a bell? Yep. Uh, Michelle uh, Buck. Michelle Buckwalter, now Michelle Badrian. She's a good friend yes. of mine. She's like a little sister to me, yep. Uh, David Prock. Do you know who David Proper is? He was a sports guy. I don't know the name, no. Uh, Eric Silverman. Yep, I know Eric. Yep, of course. Yep. Uh, Veronica V. Ripson. Mm-hmm. And then Liz, uh, Liz Doyen. Absolutely. Yeah. Stephen Tex uh, Kurtz. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jay Sweet. Uh, Jason Paladina. Mm-hmm. I met him during the banquet when I did the Paul show. Uh, Harry Waring. Uh, and then Mo. Yeah, Mo Cooper, whose voice you hear on this podcast. There you go. Jordan, are there any funny stories you can think of that, uh, that you still laugh about, funny moments that happened when you were at the station before we wrap up? There are a lot. I'm trying to think of one that's really going to hit it out of the park because we can't be all uh, serious. <laughs> no, we cannot be all uh, serious. Let me set the scene. Uh, Banquet 2014 going on the air. Uh, we were about to play a challenge I'm a big Larry Aliakovic fan, you see. And we were going to play one of his polkas. That was going to have Harry, Jay, and Mo guess all the songs that made up the polka because the polka is a medley of different... Uh, For those who don't know, Weird Al puts out these polkas where he takes popular songs and rearranges them into a polka, keeps the lyrics, but makes it a polka, for those who don't know. But yep, so go ahead. We were about to play that, but then suddenly I turned the monitor away from me thinking they'd be able to keep an eye on what was playing. So I remember we were getting ready to play that. I hit the next button on the board, 
but we didn't hear Weird Al. Uh, we heard Gwen Stefani, Just a Girl instead. <laughs> because I wasn't looking at the monitor, and I wasn't keeping track of what was running on the log. And that's a lesson. Always look at the monitor before you press something on the board. Because if you don't, then something else that you don't expect is actually going to happen. Well, Jordan Hayes, I know, as I said at the beginning, you are one of the most enthusiastic members of the radio station. And I had no idea that your history with the station went back over 20 years, back to uh, when, when my class was there as students in 1999. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and can't wait to see you in March. Yes, and please put the link, uh, if you can, uh, my station. It's the Jordan Hits 202.web.app. I do my own show Friday nights at 8 o'clock. I usually do a show uh, every Friday night, 8 to 9 p.m. I will put it in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Can I do a, a sign-off or kind of? Yeah, yeah. So you're listening to the WJPZ at 50. This is the Beat of Syracuse Z89. Love it. The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now.